Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Mercury, a broadcast of hope. I'm Max O'Brien, and it's day 861 since we came back on the air. Today, a bit of a covert assignment as I try to get this new idea I had out there before Dr. Clark or anybody else can shoot it down. Which, it's funny I should say it that way, because today... What are you doing? Oh! Hi, Dr. Clark. I was just updating the listeners on what's going on with Chrysaor and how helpful they're being. You're an awful liar, Max. You're good at a lot of things, but fooling me or anyone else isn't one of them. You're about to go on the air with another one of your ridiculous theories, aren't you? I thought you and Agnes were out with the Chrysaor folks, talking about gardening and trade and stuff. Who's their leader today? It's Twyla. But stop trying to change the subject. You know our deal. Every time you want to talk about something related to the cause of the zombie apocalypse, you have to A, brew more methanol, and B, have either me or Agnes on the air with you. And we'd appreciate a heads up before you do it so we can make sure we have our heads clear. I brewed the extra methanol. Okay, so you did half of what you're supposed to do. What's gotten into you? So far, we've managed to keep the stranger side of your personality a secret from everybody in the Chrysler group. And quite frankly, I'd like to keep it that way. Wait, hang on. We're keeping the fact that I'm seeking the truth a secret from people now? Why? Look, Max, this group seems very focused. You read their letter, you met them. They started out following zombies so they could loot the places that evacuated from them. And then, later, they started helping people. People come and go from that group. But from what I can see, it looks like the people who stick around the longest resonate with that history. They're all trying to atone for something they did in the past. And it makes them very no-nonsense. They're here to help us, but I don't think they're going to have a lot of patience for things like seances and Boltzmann's brains. Okay, I get that. But don't you think that's a bit dishonest on our part? Don't you think we should let them know the entirety of what we do around here? I mean, I do appreciate honesty, but... No buts, Dr. Clark. You know, this reminds me of a friend I had when I was in college. She was a little older than me and had already been divorced once. She swore that any relationship she was in had to be the real deal, that she wasn't into dating a bunch of people all at once. And then she met this guy, and all of that went right out the window. He wasn't ready to be in a relationship. But she'd fallen for him and would make all kinds of excuses for why she wouldn't move on and try to find someone more compatible. And because he wouldn't commit, she went out of her way to try to be the perfect ideal for him. Even going so far as when she had something that was frustrating for her that she needed to vent about, she'd call me to complain about it instead of him. It was vital to her that he only see the good parts because she was afraid that if he got to know the real person that she was, that he'd leave. And she'd lose what little she had with him. Sounds to me like she had a self-confidence issue. Oh, big time. But I don't want to get into the whole history. We'll be here all day if I do that. The point was that eventually he did come around. He decided he wanted to be in a relationship after all and found a romantic setting and a ring and proposed and the whole nine yards. She was over the moon and kept saying, I told you so, to me, because I'd sworn that this would never happen. And did they get married? Yep. And then, once they were living together, that's when he got to know who she really was. Now, don't get me wrong, she wasn't a terrible person. She was just human, like the rest of us. 
She'd have a frustrating day at work or get cut off in traffic and want to express her emotions, just like everybody else. It was just that he'd never seen that part of her. As far as he knew, she just glided through life and everything was great. Now, from his perspective, she's gone through this massive change, when in reality she was the same as she'd always been. They made it about eight months and then split up. How'd she take it? Oh, she was heartbroken. And I had to pick her up off the metaphorical floor just like I did after her first divorce. But that's not my point. My point is that if you're trying to develop any kind of serious cooperative relationship with someone, whether it's romantic or not, you have to show them what they're getting into, warts and all. (sighs) Okay, fine. But make it quick. We're running low on time. What's your new idea? Oh, well, it's Valentine's Day today, which got me thinking. What if... Cupid's arrows somehow got contaminated. What if someone dipped them into the river Styx and they're having an unexpected effect on people? Cupid was all about desire. But desire for what exactly? The zombies exhibit a tremendous desire to eat us, after all. You do know they're Greek myths, right? People believed them for thousands of years. I don't know. It just came to me because of all the Greek myths we've been talking about because of Chrysor. That's all. But Cupid was the roaming god of... You know what? Never mind. You're right. It's at least as plausible as anything else you've cooked up. Thanks. Hey, wait. Time to wrap this up. For Mercury, a broadcast of hope, this has been Dr. Rosalind Clark and Max O'Brien. Take care of each other.